here at SEC Media Days 2023. Cole Kublik joining us here from SEC Network, WJOX, The Cube Show. Did I miss any of them? Uh, we do a little weekly video thing at AL.com, but other than that, we're good. Yeah. My, my bad. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Literally every single day. Uh, I want to know, outside of the talking points that the coaches are going to spew all week, um, NIL, transfer portal, roster management, we all know the issues. What are you actually most excited to see football-wise on the field? Uh, honestly, just how some of these new coordinators operate. Uh, I think you look at Mississippi State, you've got returning quarterback, returning running back, returning wide receiver. They're all pretty good, battle-tested. Most of the offensive lines played, but that's a complete 180 from what they've done. You think about Dan Enos at Arkansas, maybe the best quarterback-running back combo returning in the league. What's it going to look like? I, we, we've seen him be quarterback run-heavy. We've seen him be pro-style. We've seen him be more spread. I, I don't know what, that, what that's going to be. Tommy Reese at Alabama, I feel like that's going to go more towards a dedicated ground and pound where the quarterback's not making a decision of if he wants to throw it or hand it off or run it on every play. So just kind of what's the fit like for some of those? And then you look at Austin Armstrong defensively at Florida. I think he's got a very athletic group. I don't know if they have anybody who's going to be super dominant, but I have a lot of confidence in what he can be as a defensive coordinator. So there, there are a lot of groups. I mean, Auburn, both sides of the ball. You know, Coach Montgomery, how that's going to go. Him and Coach Freeze putting an offense together. I'm just anxious to see how the pieces sort of fit and then what everybody kind of decides to change, what they can keep, what they can't keep. Oh, LSU is a great example last year. You know, everybody said, oh, they just got better and better. I, I didn't really view it as getting better. They just figured it out. And they, they figured out who needed to be where, who was better at what, and then they gave them those ways to go be better. So – how does it all fit? How does it all work? How does it all look with a lot of different coordinators in different places? It's funny you mention that, and I've said this on the show a number of times. The only two quarterback-coordinator returning combos are LSU and Vanderbilt with, with the two, the, the actual coordinator and the quarterback coming back, which means turnover everywhere. My question about LSU and, of course, Monday, LSU Day, my question is about like sort of the maturity of the program. And I don't know, maybe you can explain it better to people, but – we know Brian Kelly is very good. We know what he does. He has a very certain – there's a high floor for what he does. Jaden Daniels, high floor for what he does, protects the football. We know they can run the ball. The offensive line's returning all five guys. Like, as a program, are they mature enough to go on the road, neutral site, beat a Florida State team that's very good? they got to go on the road to play Bama. Like, are they mature enough to get to that 11-win mark, be in the Atlanta, and make a run for a playoff spot, or are they just still really good? one of the massive questions I, I, I think that they they could be they should be but we don't know until things get going and you look last year at you know you had to lean on two freshman tackles you had to lean on a, a freshman tight end and you know you had a, a quarterback that needed to figure out what he was good at the staff needed to figure that out you had a freshman linebacker that became one of your best football players so all of those knowns those known commodities not only are going to be more reliable, but I think allow you to build more things around them, how you design your defenses, how you design your offenses, not just structurally, but what you can add to it, and maybe not have to subtract as many things. So they should be able to build upon it. I have high expectations for LSU. I, I, I will pick them to win the West. But Alabama is going to be knocking on the door. And I think on the, on the flip side of that, if you, if you have them win in 11, you look at that schedule, the, the problem in the West is going to be Mississippi State, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss, they're all going to be teams that I think can get almost anybody any week. And they're probably going to get a few of those. So consistency is going to be massive. That comes with maturity, like you mentioned. So, all right, so that's the first one already this week that's already told me uh, Alabama number two in the West. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
They still have one of the top two or three rosters in America. They still have the greatest coach of all time. They're going to be better around the quarterback position probably along the offensive line, running back, receiving core, even without Gibbs. <clears throat> I'm so worked up about this already. Um, is it the coordinators the difference? Is it the, the questions about the quarterback? Like what, what is it about picking LSU one that's about Bama? Like I, I agree with all of the analysis of LSU. What is it about Bama that says they're 10-2 and two instead of 11-1? and one? Yeah, I think – First off, the things that I like about Alabama, collectively at wide receiver, they're going to be really good. Collectively at running back, they're going to be really good. The offensive line should be better. Is it just going to be better? I mean, we have Seth McLaughlin, Darren Dalcourt at center guard. All right, we haven't really seen that combination before. I think Tyler Booker is going to be a star. Is Caden Proctor going to fill in at tackle as a freshman and, and be all world? Is Caleb Downs going to play as a freshman at safety and be able to consistently make plays? You have a group of linebackers that hadn't played a ton of football, but you know, I think Deontay Lawson has a chance to be a star. I, I like the secondary. I like the corners. There's just there's a lot of ifs, and more times than not, those ifs turn into yeses for Alabama. I just feel like there are more definitive yeses right now for LSU. I don't think Alabama's going to be far off LSU, and if, if Alabama wins the West, I, I will not be surprised at all. Um, but I, I just look at some of the maybes for Alabama. They seem to be a little bit more than some of the maybes for LSU. Like, Think about LSU. They're going to have the majority of the games they play, they'll have the best quarterback on the field. They'll have the best offensive line on the field. They'll have the best group of receivers and maybe the best receiver. They'll have the best tandem of defensive tackles and the best defensive player. Like, okay, I, that answers a lot of questions for me. When, when you put it that way. Yeah. All right, so I'll take that most games. But Alabama's going to have most games they play in, maybe the best offensive line, the best interior defensive lineman, the best edge rusher, the best corner. So it's not like Alabama's out of best. It's just the West is going to be wild this year. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And honestly, like who is a better coach right now other than – like if you want to say Kirby and Nick are quote-unquote better, like – Brian Kelly's number three in the conference. I mean, I don't think Brian Kelly, to your point about all the LSU advantages, Brian Kelly's going to be the better coaching, coaching staff, whatever. And, again, I'm not trying to insult anybody here, but he's been around. He's been to multiple playoffs, BCS title game. He's been champion everywhere he's been, and obviously very good in year number one. You mentioned, you mentioned that continuity with Denbrock and House coming back and Coach Kelly. Like, that's, staff continuity is huge. And Coach Saban has overcome coaching player turnover better than anyone ever. Like, that's one of the things. We talk about all these wins and record at home and national titles. I think 20 years after Coach Saban's done, we're going to look at how he managed turnover, and that might be the most impressive thing that he did. To lose players and coaches the way he did and then to continue doing what he did, we'll probably look back on that and say, yeah, that no one's ever going to be able to do that again. So I want to – you mentioned how wild the West is going to be. I think you can lump a couple teams in the East into that same tier, whether it's Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, whatever you want. Missouri might be better than people think. Uh, Missouri, of course, goes on Monday. It went on Monday as well. But sticking with the breakout question, A&M's on Monday. Jimbo Fisher has uh, all the pieces he needs from a personnel standpoint. He's now got a great quarter – a potentially great young quarterback. Bobby Petrino, it looks like he's let the play go. Why, why is AM of all those teams, I am curious who's the breakout team. I don't like using that phrase, but last year we had Tennessee. Ole Miss had a 10-win season a couple years ago. Kentucky's had 10-win seasons. AM was one spot away from the playoff just two, two or three years ago when they got better offensive line and quarterback play. So the question is, of all those teams, Arkansas's got a lot of reasons to like them. Who, who is the is, – is A&M the one you like the most? Is it Tennessee? Who are the ones you like to bubble to the top of that middle class and challenge the top? I think A&M will have a good year. 
um, I, I would have them behind Alabama and LSU, but I think AM has a good year. The roster is just too talented. I don't worry about the Jimbo Petrino thing. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think it's going to be actually of benefit. Bobby Petrino will do more pre-snap. I think adding Jim Chaney to that staff is going to be huge. I mean, the guy's been a coordinator at three places in the league, very good with being creative in the run game, very good moving pieces pre-snap. And the presentation is really what needs to change for AM. It's not players. It's not personnel. Year two under Adazio as the offensive line coach, that group took a step back. They had a bunch of injuries. But you look at wide receiver, it's going to be really good. Quarterback, really good. O-line should be really good. D-line should be dominant. I worry a little bit about some of the decisions structurally on defense at certain times, and I don't love the second and third level. Could that get them caught in a game or two? Maybe. Is there a culture problem? I can't say definitively yes or no, but if there is, we're going to find out, and we'll find out pretty quick. Um, I think, and, if, and if there's not, we'll find out pretty quick. Yes, and I, I think if you're talking about a team that probably – see, like, we label it as kind of coming out of nowhere. I think the team that probably exceeds most expectations is Kentucky. SEC fans just don't know how good Devin Leary is. Most SEC fans don't know how good Ray Davis is because he played right here in Nashville last year at Vanderbilt, and he was exceptional. All they got to fix is the offensive line. You bring a kid in from USC, you bring a kid in from Northern Illinois that should be able to help, but you also have an offensive coordinator whose style can offset that a little bit more than what they had previously. This is the best Kentucky receiver core they've ever had. Top to bottom. Now, I'm not saying they are individually – they might not be better than Craig East. You know, they might not be better than Randall Cobb. But collectively, I think it's the best receiver room they've ever had. Good running back, really good quarterback, great receivers. If the tight ends come along, the defense is going to be fine. Brad White is exceptional. They have a potential star off the ball, linebacker. Weaver's back at edge. They're going to be solid on defense. So, I think if you're talking about somebody sort of pulling away based on what people think – Kentucky will probably be that team. It's funny. I don't like it when I when I have personal feelings coming into this event or being at this event, and then smart people like you validate those things. I don't know if that makes I feel like bad about that, but I like A and M. I like LSU. I like Kentucky a lot. I kind of like Missouri too. Like defense, he fixed it. Eli Drinkwitz fixed it in one year with a very good coordinator hire. Now he's letting go of the offense, very much like Bobby Petrino or very much like Jimbo Fisher at A and M. They don't have the personnel that A&M has or the quarterback, but am I crazy for adding Missouri to that list? There's a, there's, there are things to be excited about with Missouri. Blake Baker did an amazing job last year. That front seven is going to be difficult to deal with. Back end, I don't know if it'll be as good, but you can, you can solve a lot of problems up front. Look what they did to Georgia last year. You know, they, they, they gave them fits for three and a half quarters. Um, I'm just worried about quarterback. I think the offensive line should be good. Javon Foster, I think, is the most NFL-ready tackle right now in the league. That probably won't be the case at the end of the year because you got some young guys that are super talented. Um, and you've got Luther Burton now coming down to the slot where you're going to be able to create things for him. You'll move him more, do some different things. You're solid at running back. It's not You're not top into the league at running back, but collectively I think you're pretty good. I worry about the schedule. Um, I don't like Kansas State early because Kansas State's a team that physically is just different to deal with. And – I think they'll be able to offset that front seven with how they operate. And then def- you know, defensively, Missouri has to take advantage of their athleticism in that game. And if, and if you don't get that game, this is what worries me. Then you go back to the Dome to play Memphis. And if you drop that game, I think that crowd just takes a step down, where it's got a chance to be really cool. Because St. Louis fans love football. They just want football. We saw in the XFL this year. Like it's, they're, they're crazy. I want that environment to be awesome for Missouri. 
but there's also a chance it could be 5-0 and when LSU comes to town. So I think the schedule is going to have a lot to do with their success this year. You know, it's, it's funny. Like, I think if they lose to Kansas State, they beat Memphis pretty easily. If they beat Kansas State, then the Memphis game gets way more difficult because it's, it, you know, the letdown, the emotional up and downs of a season. Because I think, I think if they beat Kansas State, that environment is almost not going to let them lose. It'll be crazy. If they lose to Kansas State, I think the environment kind of takes a step down, and it might not be enough to really help them if they play poorly to win. All right, that, that makes sense. All right, last, I guess, is the, the noise, the distraction, the change at quarterback, the change at coordinator, whatever you want to li- put the list. I know Kirby is going to play disrespect. I think last year there actually was a little bit of disrespect. They weren't picked to win the SEC. They were third in America. I actually remember going on ESPN and saying, I think George is underrated in August, and I had him at number one, and that's what Kirby did. Nolan Smith was a part of that last year. I don't believe it as much this year because some of the things, like, they don't. Stetson's not here. Todd Munkin's not here. The defensive pieces are gone. I guess long story, long question short here is, do they lose a regular season game? Does it cost them in the SEC championship game? Does it cost them in the playoff? Do they have the pieces to overcome all of this stuff and the distractions and the noise? Like, what – I don't even know what the right question is for Georgia. Like, do they lose a game? I don't. I don't know. They can lose in the playoffs. I think. I don't think they'll lose a regular season game. Uh, and it's not. I, I'm a little. I'm growing a little frustrated with the how easy the schedule is. If that was Vanderbilt or if that was Missouri or South Carolina, we wouldn't talk about how easy the schedule was. It's easy because of what Georgia is. I dealt with this with Alabama for a long time doing radio in, in Birmingham and Huntsville. Like it's everybody talked about how easy Bama's schedule was, but for an average SEC team, no one would say that. Uh, here's what you need to know about Georgia. They're going to have the best tight end in college football. They're going to have an elite group of wide receivers. Dominic Lovick brings something in the slot that will be a little bit different. Lad McConkey, vastly underrated. Ra-Ra Thomas gives you big physical 50-50 ball guy down the field. You have another tight end, Oscar Delp, that's ready to be great. The offensive line has been a finalist for the Joe Moore Award the last two years. That ain't going anywhere. Mims and Cedric Van Praan are back. The list goes on and on offensively. Now, I am anxious to see because they were great talent-wise on offense last year, but they were so difficult to defend because they ran everything. I mean, they literally had every run, every screen, every formation, every movement. Then they could go fast. Then the quarterback could ad-lib on his own. They had all of it. I don't know, I don't know if, if Bobo will be that diverse, but that might not matter until later in the year. And then defensively, I, I think Dumas Johnson's a star. Uh, I think Michael Williams has a chance to be a star. Are they as good up front as they have been? They're not. Uh, they're, they're just not. And when you have that much attrition year after year after year, look at Ohio State. It's very similar. It catches up to you at some point. It's not that you're not good. You're just not as good. So I don't know if the defense will be as dominant. I think the back end, I think you have the best safety in the league. I think you have one of the best corners in the league. And with all of that, basically with three defensive coordinators in-house that have all been pretty good in their own right, you can figure it out on that side of the ball. I'll have Georgia win in the SEC. They were number one in my power rankings on Cube Show Podcast at Cube Show 61 on YouTube. You can follow that there. Um, we put that out yesterday. So I, I just, they're, they're still really good in a lot of places. And they're really good. Here's the one thing that has not changed with Georgia. And I, I first saw this when I went to do the spring game three years ago, the year before they won their first title. Brandon, they physically are different than anybody else. And now, are there, are there Jordan Davises and Darnell Washingtons on this team? No, but they are still going to have individuals that can physically outmatch you all over the field. And that's what a lot of college football teams cannot offer up. 
No question about it. Uh, Cole Kublik joining us here. We do appreciate you can catch him basically everywhere on the entire internet, the airwaves, SEC Network. Uh, you got WJOX, you got the Cube Show, you got YouTube uh, all over the place as well. We do appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody.